Welcome to You Must Chill, the weekly podcast on all things Scream Free. My name is John Allen Turner. And I'm Hal Runkle. Hal Edward Runkle. I'm... One of these days you're going to volunteer the middle name. I'm Hal Runkle. Hal Edward Runkle. How are you today? I'm doing, I'm doing very, very, very poorly. Poorly? Yeah. Why I'm, are you doing I'm poorly a today? sluggish. What's going morning? on? Well, we had a long weekend. You and I were traveling all weekend, and it was fun. But it was we a lot had of a work. great trip. It, it was, was a great a, trip. we went to Boston, yes. and then spoke mm. to some folks up in New Hampshire. Some fantastic folks, New Hampshire Conquered. National Guard. It was awesome. It was great, and lovely weather this time of year. Fantastic. It was fantastic, and and we had uh, we ate well. Yes, we did. But you ate poorly. <laughs> I will tell you this. You <laughs> just for everybody who doesn't know, te- uh, Hal is a. It has a, a a fondness, an affinity for the University of Texas. Yes, I do. D- did you graduate from there? No, I did not. You attended. I there, attended though. there, yeah. and then switched horses midstream to. But well, you, I kind of went there. Yeah, it's weird. There's a yeah. it's a seminary on the campus that's affiliated, and you. But use it's not hours. really. But it's kind yes, of. Yeah. You use hours from both schools to get a degree, and but you don't technically. It's right. But there's some great guys there. I I, I know a lot of the faculty members yeah, there. Yeah. But uh, so so you but you your rooting interests lie. In the Longhorns. Is that right? The eyes of Texas are upon you? They did. They did. <laughs> yeah. See, here's... You, <laughs> you haven't really lived until you've watched a University of Texas football game with Hal Edward Runkle. It's, uh, well, that's it's one word for it, lived. My kids, yeah. my kids, there is one... They will just say this. <laughs> there is one uh, area of life in which their father is not very scream-free. Uh, yeah, and that would be... Now, do, do, are you that way with basketball? When you watch Texas basketball? No. So it's the it's the football well, that gets that, you all riled up. I am, I am that way if... I am that way if one of my sports teams is in the playoffs. So if, like, my basketball team's in the playoffs... Oh, you're a my, Houston Rockets, Rockets fan, guy. Or if, like, the Atlanta Braves are in the playoffs. Yeah, right? you'll I'm be that be way. Some, Except you know, I went to a playoff game where the Houston Astros played... Well, the in that Atlanta case, Braves, and you were in that case. I'm going to root for the Astros because because you come from Texas. I am. You born come from Houston, born and raised yeah. in Houston, Texas. So we're watching this uh, football game, and um, we're watching this football game in the hotel room. Hal wants to go back to the hotel room, and he wants to order room service, and uh, so watch football. And, and the University of Texas playing Brigham Young University, and they didn't play very well. And so we... The we, Mormons did. The Mormons played, played very well, very proficient. Yes. So we decided to order room service. We were going to order dessert. And do you remember what you ordered? Uh, do we really need to go into details <laughs> like this? I indulge myself every I once in a while. I have had a sugar hangover for three days since watching you eat. It's just being in the same room uh-huh. while you were doing this. You was, participated in this as well. This I did, carnage. but uh, I ordered my own dessert. I ordered what I thought was a relatively modest well, amount. I needed to make some additions to the menu. that they, <laughs> that they Some in, modifications. Yeah, some modifications that they sorely needed. And they were gracious enough to they provide did. those hey, things for hey, you. Man, amazing what they'll do with it was a little extra change. Like, if you can imagine, dessert comes in various forms, in various... There are groups of dessert. You know, there's the pudding group, and there's the cake group, there's the ice cream group, and there's the cookie 
group, and I think you had representatives from had all the, of them. The all of the above group <laughs> is what I had, and it was fantastic. Do you have a dessert sampler platter? <laughs> Just you could combine onto one plate, please. So college has this weird effect on us, though, that we we get that way over our college teams. Well, I was just walking down the hall on the way to our office and overheard a conversation in the kitchen area. Yeah. Between some representatives from some of the different companies that uh, share the office. We, yeah, we we uh, we have an office in an office yes. building. And so and I overheard some a woman talking about her daughters uh, about to start applying for colleges and so somebody said, well, they're going to apply to Georgia, which is a very fine academic and athletic institution about, and has become a, a difficult school to get into. It is, and it's only about an hour and a half from here, but it's yeah. definitely one of beautiful campus. One of the Athens is a great yeah, college town. It's it really pro- is. I would absolutely see, uh, conceive my kids going to University of Georgia. Yeah, yeah, sure. But this lady's reaction was just Horrified. Well, it's classic, right? Oh, okay. Uh, they're not going to Georgia. Oh, why not? It doesn't matter if they get in. They're not going to Georgia. But it's so close, and it's in-state tuition. Why wouldn't I, you want I, your kids to go to Georgia? She's from Florida. Oh. Her father is a Florida alum, and she said, my father, their grandfather, would pay willingly, out of his own pocket, pay out-of-state tuition for to them, to, them go, to go to the to University go to Florida. of Florida. But he will do everything in his power to protest them. Damn. And that's what makes Atlanta an interesting place to live. Well, I mean, it's one of the things, there are a lot of things that make Atlanta interesting, but one of the more interesting things is Atlanta is uh, so, the way it's located, you have people here whose rooting interests come from all these different schools that are 300, 500 miles away. Yes. So driving down the road any Saturday in the fall you're as likely to see a University of Georgia pennant from somebody's flying from somebody's uh, antenna as you are Tennessee, Florida, Alabama, Auburn, Clemson, South Carolina, North South Carolina, Carolina yes. Clemson, Georgia yes. Tech, Florida, 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 State, Florida State, Miami, or, yes. all of these schools, it, they, they end up graduating people, Tennessee, uh, Vanderbilt, all these schools right. graduate people, those people get jobs, the jobs eventually lead to Atlanta. Lead to Atlanta, yes. Atlanta is a crossroads. That's how it was built, as a crossroads, yeah. and as a railroad crossroads. And now and it's, it's still a trucking uh, you know, mecca I mean, yeah. because of its location. And, and it's also the uh, plane traffic capital of the world, both in, yeah, passen- yeah, both in passengers Field, and Jackson cargo. International Airport. Folks don't know this, but UPS headquarters is UPS here as well. And so Delta and biggest airport in the world. Yeah. So the, it is a lot of throughness. So college uh, brings up an interesting because college has just started for a lot. You know, for a lot of people, they've been they've in school maybe two weeks. Couple now. weeks, yeah. yeah, a couple of weeks. Back and so to school. you've got a lot of parents who invested a lot of time and energy and money. Yeah, getting their kids through high school and getting them into a college, hopefully the college of their choice, but if not they had some fallback or something and they've ended up driving their kids to wherever, to the University of Maryland, to the sure. you know, the University of Chicago and they've dropped them off, they've got them all set up in their dorm rooms and now mom and dad are driving home. Yes. Crying. Weeping usually silently. Hopefully it'll you know it's, well, not... it's cries of it's it's tears of it's mixed emotions. Mixed, exactly. It's, it's, there's sadness and yet joy and 
all of that relief and yeah the we don't have a word for it the german word would be zensucht zensucht you know the uh, this kind of conflicting emotions it's happy sad simultaneously yes. mm. and so a lot of people are experiencing that but we also know statistically a lot of marriages enter into some difficult times now yes. once you get your kid out yes. of the house you get them on the college campus and beginning almost immediately driving home uh, who are what we what now yeah what do i do now there is if you could look at marriages just stat, stat, statistically it's easy for you to say i'm a good speaker he talks good for a living <laughs> statistically if you look would look at marriages over a timeline and that's one axis, the bottom axis, mm-hmm. right, of a graph. And okay. The, that's the, so trying that's to, the trying X. to draw this visual yes, picture. That's the x-axis for those of you back in <laughs> algebra. And the y-axis, which is the vertical line, yes. was, if that were measuring uh, divorce rates. Yes. Okay? So you've got time... And so, you, so, yeah. so, picture a little mountain range, right? That yeah, as yeah, yeah. time goes on, yeah. it's going up and down. But there are two peaks in that mountain range, and the peaks the occur. One, the first is the first five years, and it's the highest peak. Right, more marriages dissolve in the first five years than at any other time. If you can get yes. over that five-year hump, or we used to refer, you know, people used to seven refer to it as the seven-year itch. itch. If you can get through the seven-year itch, then the odds. Swing in your favor that you're going to stay married. Yes, because first five years, you don't know each other. You don't know what you're doing. You're and you don't too know young. yourself. You, it's an adjustment you disorder. You got no money. Yeah. And also, that's when you recognize all the bad motives for getting married. Oh, I got married because I thought this was going to fix me. I thought, or I was, was just never... the age at which you're supposed to get married, and you. So were I the found one... a likely candidate. You... you were the first one to say yes, or you were the one I was dating at the time, and so it just happened. Right, or. Got pregnant. And felt like we had to get married. All those things contribute. Now, after that... Second spike. Yes, there is a, a relatively, you know, uh, even ra- of the mountain, evening out of the mountain range okay. until you get to the, a big second spike. And it is when, it's not marked by years as much as is, it's marked by when the first kid begins to leave. So when, when the oldest child... Begins the launching process. That's when mom and dad come apart. Yes, because if they survive that first five years, then they begin to organize themselves in a way that gets very routine. So these are mid-20s through possibly the mid-40s, you know, that you are in this kind of routine of sameness. Well, and with every relationship, there's a... There's a personal side, and there's also a business side. Yes. With, you know, with any spouse, there's the personal side. There's the, you know, friendship and companionship and romance and yes. all of that. But there's also... Love. There's also the business. Yes. 
you know, somebody's got to go to the bank. Somebody's got to drop the dry cleaning off. Somebody's got to get the kids to soccer practice or taekwondo or gymnastics. Somebody's got to make the hay. Somebody's got to organize the hay. Somebody's got to do the dishes. Somebody's got to figure out what we're having for dinner, make sure we have the inventory to make that dinner, and then do the prep work and the cleanup work. All of that is the business stuff. And you can handle business in little 45-second increments. And when you have three small children, then the household management takes on such an immediate importance. It's urgent. It is urgent. And so it it dominates your thinking. You have, you begin to revolve all of your life patterns around it. And it just actually... And e- even in those situations, even when you're not angry at the other person, the other mm. person hasn't done anything to upset you or anything right. like that. There's no impending crisis or critical event. Mm-hmm. You just feel distant. You can, or you just feel perfunctory. It's just utilitarian. It's just listen. Us breaking it. out our big words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. We and go you... to school a long time to learn to talk good. So, when the first kid begins to launch, then it's the signal of so many things. It's the signal that well. This is kind of what the whole point was. Yes, and so, so do so. Am I done? At the exa- but the anxiety jacks up so much because you are in the launching phase, looking towards the. Did I do a good job? I don't have as much immediate influence once this kid's out of the house, even if it's only for you know four months at a time or whatever. Right. right. Will they make decisions? Will the things that I tried to instill in them take root? Yes. But also, when they are absent, then you do begin to inevitably ask yourself questions that you have pushed away for a while. Have I accomplished what I was put on this earth to do? It's it's so interesting that we say a midlife crisis, and we assume that the midlife crisis is about your age. No, what all is going on in your life at that age? Well, the midlife yeah. crisis, amazingly, coincidentally, happens... Just coincides with... ...when your oldest kid beginning to leave. Yeah. And your marriage beginning to ask itself more difficult questions than ever, as well as you facing midlife and looking at your own mortality and all well, that stuff. We go into marriage a lot of times with the assumption that this is what you do next. So I've graduated from college. Yep. I've gotten a good job. And uh, now I look around to find a life partner. So I'm going to, hey, I like you. You like me? Yeah, let's do this. And then then you get married. And then you think, okay, what comes next? Uh, Kids. That's what comes next. Sure. And so kids come next. And now your life kind of orbits around the kids and and all that. And now you get them out of the house. And what's next? I don't know. Do we go to... Exactly. I hop at exactly. four thirty. Is That's that what's the next? Thing. You look for the blue plate special. Yeah. Right. Is that, so retirement early is next. bird. Yeah. And then what's next? Right. Death. Yeah. Is it is it time to die? Yeah. I don't feel like it's time to die. I, I'm not ready for that. I don't want that to be what comes next. And we push against that. And so, do I have money to buy a convertible? <laughs> right. Maybe I could find somebody a lot younger. Trade my. Uh, and we could start this whole cycle over again. Trade my forty in for two twenties. Oh, <laughs> that wow, stupid yeah, that's, old joke. Wow, that's uh, yeah. That harkens back to a different era <laughs> when you used to tell jokes like that. <laughs> you know, you don't necessarily forget. You're leaving me alone on the. Uh, yeah, you're out there. I'm gonna let you just die on that. I'm one. on the perverted island over here. <laughs> Thanks a lot. 
not deserted island, yeah, perverted. but perverted. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Fair. So, so uh, we we've also by that point in our lives, we've spent a, a lot of time, fifteen, twenty years, being dad, being mom. That's who we are. That's become our identity. identity. Absolutely. Mom, I mean, change it. Mom of, uh, you know, I'm mom of Theodore at gmail.com. Oh, That's my word. My... That makes me a little bit crazy. Oh, I see. We see the it license all the time. plates and the email addresses all... where I'm. Because we collect yeah. email addresses yeah, yeah, to yeah. send and out the our, database and all that. Our, you know, our new screen free. And we get feedback, even feedback on email, this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we had somebody, you know, we have, we have people who, yes. who give us feedback via email. And uh, and oftentimes the email address is mom of four right at gmail dot com or whatever. Oh my gosh! I saw. We've talked about this many many times, but I finally saw. Speaking, we've <laughs> talked about the see? stick. We've talked about the stick figure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, stickers how, on the back of the mini. Yeah, both crazy. Yeah. Well, there's a now a new sticker with a, a rampaging woman taking an axe, and there's all these sticks flying wow. all over the place and saying, no one gives a crap about your stick figure family. <laughs> oh. And it's this mom wielding an axe, chopping through these sticks. Wow. <laughs> I thought, somebody sent me something through Facebook. I think I don't know if you saw it or not. My friend, the Facebook? Yeah, my friend Julie out in uh, uh, California sent this uh, picture of Grumpy Cat. Oh really? Yeah, it's it's yeah, Grumpy I've Cat, Grumpy and the Cat. caption says Grumpy Cat is not impressed with your stick figure family. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we've talked about that. Uh, uh, it's going to be a yeah. recurring theme. Yeah. We're going to talk about that over and over again. But that's what has happened when they those stick figures are now taller than you are and shadowy representations of what your family used to look like. Yeah, my family doesn't look like that Norman Rockwell household anymore because they're all gone. Yeah. So I'm now looking at my spouse. Wow, she doesn't look like the last time I really looked at her was 18 years ago, and she yeah. doesn't look the same. You know, it's interesting. I have a guy, um, a buddy, who that's basically what his wife did. She really looked at him. You know, Chris Rock has this amazing joke. Yeah, you ever heard yeah, that joke yeah. about, do you ever catch your woman just <laughs> looking, looking at, at you? you? Just looking at you. That's never a good thing, because she's like... <laughs> What the heck have I done? Well, I think it was, uh, I think it's Foxworthy who talks about how when you're dating and when you're first married and you ask each other, what are you thinking about? And he says, after you've been married 20 years, you don't want to ask that question because no. the answer is probably like, how I could kill you and get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> and the judge would understand. <laughs> <laughs> and so you don't, but that's what happened. His buddy, his, his wife just kind of looked at him, and he came home from work one day, not coincidentally, around the same age that his daughter is beginning the launching process. And there's a sheriff at the front door. Whoa, that's always an interesting thing. So his, home to the sheriff. His whole thing is, oh my gosh, something must have Something's, happened to my someone's kids. Someone's been injured. Yeah, Somebody, something. Yeah. What is going What's on? Happened? And the sheriff, he, he, so he comes up to him, and the sheriff then explains to him, well, actually. Your wife wants you to move out tonight, and she wasn't sure how you were going to take the news. Wow. So I'm here to prevent any bad things from happening. Wow. The amount, like, the, there are so many layers of unhealthy oh, stuff in that. Well, the way the guy told me is we've never had a conversation about divorce. Mm. Never even had a fight, which... 
to me. I've said this well, before. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't fight, something's wrong. Really wrong because I can hear the tick, tick, tick of the bomb that's about to explode, <laughs> and that's what, and that's the bomb. Yeah, we've talked the about that at your house beach bomb. ball, trying to keep the beach ball under the water. Yeah. You know, the longer it stays under there, the more force it's going to have when it comes They're out. It's going to pop you in the nose when it comes Ugh. out. Yeah. Wow. And I, I don't want that to happen to marriages. It, you and it I've doesn't had this, have to happen. It doesn't. But you and I have had this experience. You as a as a as a minister, me mm-hmm. as a therapist, where you've worked with many a, many a couple going through a divorce. Yes. Right. Yeah. And it's ugly and it's awful, but it is so much worse when it's one of your friends. Yeah. Oh, because especially if you are couples friends with the couple. Oof, yeah, because then you feel like okay, do, are we gonna have to choose? You are her side. You or are his when side they have kids whatever, and their kids you know. are friends with your kid, and you do carpool and stuff with oh. them, and now you got to communicate with two different households, and they're not communicating with each yeah, other because that's they, why they got divorced. Exactly. Uh, it's brutal. I don't want that to happen. Now it's interesting. People sometimes have challenged me because one of the things I do as a professional is I help people get divorced. Yeah, very very well. And so, why would you want to support people's divorces? You know, because I care so much about them and their next marriage. I know this one's dead. Yeah, if this one is dead, if this one's dead, I'm going to try and give it a good burial so that people walk away with a bit of confidence and learning something about themselves, not just walking away with incredible bitterness towards the other person, but actually learning something about themselves so that they don't become part of the statistic that says second Second marriages marriages fail at an even higher rate and third marriages fail at an even higher rate. Well, beyond that, you know, we had a a friend a number of years ago who separated from his wife and everybody else thought this was a big sudden, what? I never saw this coming. And I think you and I were both aware that there was stuff going on behind the scenes. But uh, when he decided to move out, um, I remember a conversation I had with him where he basically said, listen, if you're going to lecture me like everybody else has, I already know. Yeah. I already know. I already know everything you're going to say. You're going to say, oh, you're doing the wrong thing. You're right. gonna, you think any of that's going to come as news to me? So I decided to go a different way. I said, listen, me being friends with you has never been based on you doing what I think is the right thing. Right. So if I have to in, endorse what you're doing in order to be your friend, then I can't be your friend. But... If I can disagree with you, uh, we don't have to bring it up all the time. Right. But if if I can still hold it, you know, that I don't think this is the wisest choice for you and your family and still be your friend, then let's keep going. Right. You know, and, and I was one of the few people, he told me later, mm-hmm. to maintain that bridge to him. Yeah. Because everybody else said, well, when you decide to go back to doing the right thing, then we can be friends oh, again. yeah, I see that all the time. The, the truth is, I hate divorce. You know who else hates divorce? Divorced people. Yeah, a lot of them, the stats. Absolutely, it's, a, it's are out like there. a death in the family. Oh, I mean, there's no divorce. Ain't good. No, it's awful. Now, By sometimes any sometimes it's inevitable. It's necessary. Sometimes it's the best of the bad options you have. Yes, like that line from Argo. This yeah. is the best of all the yeah. bad options. Bad ideas we have. <laughs> this is the best bad idea we have. <laughs> yes, and that's a great description of of divorce. And sometimes yeah. it is a Inevitable, even, even necessary. necessary. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And I, but because I so hate divorce, I work to strengthen marriages, and I work to strengthen divorces. I know that sounds bizarre. No, no, no. I I, yeah, I, I get that. But so much of what I want to do is help people experience marriage in 
in a way that allows, and I'm stealing a line from Dr. David Schnarch here, but his whole thing is don't work on your marriage, allow your marriage to work on you. Which is the whole purpose of marriage. I agree. Marriage is, is uh, you've heard me say this before, I think marriage is emotional weightlifting. Yeah. It is. Uh, and I tell people, marriage is designed to grow you up. It is. So a- when you decide you're done growing, then you can decide to stop being married. And usually, usually that's not a decision. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, a yeah, conscious yeah. decision. It just kind of you kind of you, you kind of have to make some of those decisions it. going into it. Yeah, I, very few twenty-three-year-olds can, you know. But twenty-one-year-old in my case. Yeah, that's right. Good God, that what was, were you thinking? I was thinking about having sex. That's Your what daughter I was is five about. years uh, from how old you no, were. No, she's she is wow. She's three and a half years three from how half. old her mother was. Oh wow! So Jenny was younger. Jenny was twenty. Was twenty. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that but thankfully, she was older than me. <laughs> yeah, I get you. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not chronologically. No, but yeah. no, but maturity-wise, thank, thankfully. But we hadn't had to make it through that five years. But you, And I think one of the reasons the five years, the first five years is so tough, especially for young people going into marriage, their first marriage, we've absorbed so many cultural... Blech, Stereotype well, it myths. Comes from, yeah, it comes I mean, from family, but it comes, it comes from, from movies, movies and songs. Oh my goodness! Especially songs. Are songs bad. are bad. They're really, really bad. I mean, and they always have been. People hear blurred lines, and you know, yeah, no, how dare they? All oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Come but, on. but you, you know, rock out to Led Zeppelin singing I horrible want, yeah. songs. <laughs> I want a whole lot of love. Yes, we, we, he's, he's not talking to, about love. He, he, he's talking about something. Yeah, that's, listen yeah, to he, the rest of that lyric, uh, and, and how about Van Halen? I ain't talking about love. Right? No, I ain't talking yeah. about love. I mean, we go way, way, even way back. How about? She, she was just, and this is hard. She was just, she was 17. just seventeen. I'm a you Beatles fanatic, I mean. man. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Well, what do you mean there, Paul? Because that's a little revolting as a father yeah. of a sixteen and a half uh, year old. Yeah. You know? Ooh, baby, that's what I like. I mean, we've been, yeah, yeah. He liked fourteen year olds, is what he liked. Yeah. Gosh. Oh, his fourteen year old oh, cousin. No, right. Oh, I mean, that's dude, Jerry, Lee Jerry Lewis. Lewis that's Come on. Right. Holy. Oh. And yet, we're, yeah, we're we're talking about... But we're upset. You know, okay, Robin Thicke, Miley Cyrus, it was beyond the pale. It was ridiculous. It was, it was awful trashy. and yes, trashy and obnoxious. It, yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis married his 14-year-old, 14-year-old cousin. First cousin. Yeah, okay, so so it's not new. 14 years old. <laughs> it's not because MTV. No, it's not it's because not the internet. New. It's not because I mean, of social media. We're all upset media. at Daft yeah. Punk singing, I'm here to get lucky. Yeah, yeah, but uh, really? the songs that it's based on... Are songs from the seventies that were all about, mm-hmm. yeah, love to love you, baby. Oh. So yes, we absorb these terrible, horrible, but awful I, messages I, but actually, from songs. I don't think those are the worst messages, though. Okay, so what are the worst messages? Not, not, hey, I want to get laid, want to get lucky, want to. You just said get laid on this broadcast. On just, this broadcast, prod- I can't speak. <laughs> Statistically, <laughs> that word is usually found offensive by. That's that's the song. Does anybody know what that song that you know what that phrase means? Where it comes from? Get laid. Yeah. No. Has, I always thought because it's spelled L A I D. Usually, I yeah. always thought it referred to some form of laying to laying down. down. Right. No. What What is it? There was a brothel in Chicago run by 
the Everlay Sisters, L-E-I-G-H. Oh. And it was a very famous brothel in, um, what's the, it's the Windy so City. They were so famous, they are the Kleenex of the professional yeah. sex because workers you would go, industry. It was about politicians would go to Chicago. And that's then, how they would. To get yeah. L-E-I-G-H apostrophe D. Wow. That, well, that's where it comes from. Okay. But you learn something on now the podcast. The type See, of education. This is educational you, content right absolutely. here. Rich content. That's why you need to be spreading the word about this podcast. That's right. Tell your friends that if you really want to know where <laughs> some offensive terms come from, this is the place to go. It, it, it is offensive to, to state, state it in that way. I'm here to get laid. It's worse. So we. So we you know, pretty it up a little bit by yeah. saying I'm I'm here to get lucky. Yeah, it's worse, uh, uh, but but there's messages that are worse. The worst message, uh, in my opinion, is the Jerry Maguire "You complete me." I need you. Oh my goodness! But like the desert needs, needs the, the rain. rain. You know, I need you. That's America, right? I think so. Yeah, the band, not the country. Yes. Although the country is following suit. It's interesting. It informs so, so many yeah. lyrics. So many lyrics. It's, uh, and it, it is, it is about, I can't live without you. Yeah. I, I can't live you. if living is without you. I can't breathe. Oh my goodness. Really? Yeah. I tell my kids, I tell my daughters, if a, if a man ever says, I need you or you complete me, run. Run. Get out right. of there. Right. Right, and but the thing is, I think they'll find him unattractive at that point. We find needy people unattractive, unless we're unhealthy. Unless we're a needy person, yeah. Because needy people need people. Needy people need, need to be needed, need, and that's and healthy people want to be wanted. I mean, at least Cheap Trick was open about it. I want you to want me. That's cool. Yeah, but then I need but you I to need, need me. you to need no. me. That's Ugh. not cool. No. You know, the joke I always make is that is not adult connecting to adult. That is two ticks without a dog. That's what that is. Just swapping fluids. Sucking the life oh, out of each other, yeah. you know? It's, it's, that's parasite to host. Yeah. But that is why, absolutely, fundamentally why those divorces happen at that life phase because we have been needing each other and needing each other and you know what we get sick not just of the other person needing them we get sick of our own neediness because when the kid oldest kid begins to leave then part of our we see it look well they don't need me anymore they're exactly part of my job over the last 20 years is going away and that erodes at my personal sense of who I am if I've been calling myself dad of three at gmail.com. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so now I'm dad of two. I need to change my email address. Well, that's <laughs> changing my changing my identity. Yeah. And I have been needed by them. And I have needed my spouse to assist in that process. But think about it. Usually you got more money than you've ever had. So you got some disposable income. You got more disposable. You're making you got more, more options. You got more options. That's why certainly women... more options than you had when you were 21 and I was 23. Good lords. Why women are filing for divorce more than men by far? Because and a lot of uh, I think this affects women a little bit more than men, but uh and we talked about this over the weekend, this kind of we abdicate so many of the decisions in our lives. So I can't tell you how many women I've met who didn't go to the college they wanted to go to. They went to the college they thought they were supposed to go to. Right. They didn't study what they wanted to study. They studied what they thought they were supposed to study. Right. They didn't marry the person they wanted to marry. They married the person they thought they were supposed to marry. And then they hit 45, look around and say, 
I don't even like the way my house is decorated. Yeah, because I've been working on what other people have told me what I should want that I've never given myself the opportunity to ask myself what, what it is I actually do want. What do I really want? But yeah. I think men are in the same situation. I'm doing the job that I hate, but I'm supposed to do this in order yeah, to pay for the I kids, so. right? And I'm supposed but to do this. But now that the kids are out, and they're out of braces, and they're out of all this stuff, and they're kind of off yeah. on their own, I don't have to still do this job to make the money, I'm not. I don't have as many obligations. What do I want? I want to buy a red convertible. And some of that, or a motorcycle. I will tell you, or, some of that is motivated by. I want to attract my wife again, or I. Well, not I want to be attractive, attractive again. Yeah. I want to be thought of as attractive again. Yeah. Now, what I believe is what most people want is, they want their spouse. They want to, their spouse to find them attractive again. Yeah, yeah. Right? I And, and they'll say it di- in different ways. Yeah. You know, I, I want to have sex more right. than we're having sex. Really, I just want her to find me desirable. Yeah. You know, I want him to want me again. Yeah. I want him to look at me. I want him to me, look at me the way right? he looks at... The way he looks at yeah. us or the way the co- my coworker looks at me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's what makes the... Yeah, I think one of the initial allures of those kinds of things is we're all attracted to people who find us attractive. Well, of course. You know, there's a like a magnet in unless the human heart that's drawn to acceptance. Unless they're needy people, <laughs> right? But if they are sure. people who don't need... What we've always found most attractive is somebody who doesn't need us. Or somebody who just notices. But they don't need us, yeah. and yet they want us. Yeah, exactly. That's attractive. Yes. Somebody that you could choose anyone... But you but chose you choose me. me. That's the cool part of marriage is that I get the chance, and it's just a chance, but I get the chance to choose a person who's chosen me, mm-hmm. not need the person who needs me. Because that means neither one of us are giving of the other. We're just obligating the other. And I don't want it to sound like we're minimizing the importance of just dedication. You know, I made a commitment. I'm going to stick to this commitment. Absolutely but not. What I, but nobody wants to be tolerated. No. You know what I mean? Like nobody wants to, um, to be loved through gritted teeth and just endured because, well, I said I was going to do this, so I, I'm not going to leave. Nobody you're, wants that. You're really attractive when you sound like that. <laughs> Just really drawn to you at that. Yeah, nobody. Nobody is drawn. That's to the that. Eeyore. Oh, oh, yeah. ring. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. You don't want to be married to an Eeyore, but you know the thing is, what did I commit to? You're talking about holding this commitment, but did I commit to? And this is one of the most challenging things yeah, I can yeah. say out there. I, I talk about this a lot. Did, yeah. I don't know if you. You don't let, know what I'm going to say. Let's, you're right. You I should. I should there? let you let finish. me speak. I should let you finish. You're I right. wanted to be. I wanted people to affirm me and say that John brings things to the table too. Hal's not the only smart one in the organization. But you go ahead. <laughs> That's that my did, moment of transparency right there. It didn't sound needy at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was confessing it, That's, and now I'm back. And, and now you're back. It. Now you're fine. Good. Is did you commit to making yourself continually attractive? No. I think you did. Did I? You should have. Because I cannot... But that's not in the traditional vows. It should be in there. Love, cherish, honor, 
and obey wax and my ears if they start to grow hair. It should trim be the in nose the, hairs. Trim the nose hairs if I actually expect my wife to actually be close there. <laughs> right? I mean, this these are basic things that we should be writing into the vows. I commit to getting regular haircuts. I commit to <laughs> hygiene. To I- maintaining... Uh, some semblance of my current yes. height weight ratio. Yes, the the, the, the we need to have a ba- a, ba- a balance of a hip to waist ratio, <laughs> a range that you here's, commit to. Here's what I was going to say. This okay. is how I talk. And it's going to be much wiser than I. No, no, yes. no. It's no, not I necessarily. I think it is. You little needy, I, needy boy. I tell people you didn't sign up for divorce avoidance. Mm. When I made right. a vow, I didn't make a vow to not leave. Yes. I made a vow to do something, to work towards a oneness. To be present, yeah. uh, and which I mean, what I believe means that to make myself, continually make myself such a complete person that my love for you is a surplus. Yeah, and I'm loving you out of a, a sense of surplus. Not loving you from a deficit. I, I use the illustration when I when I talk to people, like when I talk to groups, I use uh, Jenga. Remember the game oh, Jenga? Yeah. yeah. The object of Jenga is not to win. It's to You not can't lose. win Jenga. Right, right. The object it's is to, to not lose. Not and lose. as long as I'm, I avoid knocking it over, I feel good about myself. Well, it's the ultimate passive-aggressive Yeah, exactly, uh, because I, I weaken it, yes. and I make it inevitable that, that you, you are going uh, to knock it over. And then you get laughed at and guffawed That's at right. Ah, ha, ha, because I didn't do it. his fault because he cheated. I'm not the one who filed. I'm not the one who walked out. Yeah. I'm not the one who cheated. Now, I took a bunch of planks out of this thing. And I refused to have sex with her yeah, for a I, year. I refused to have sex. I let myself go completely. I, I buried myself in work. other than yoga pants. Then sweats. Right, sweats. With the drawstring, you I, know. I wear mandals. <laughs> I don't right? shave my legs or I don't, you know, whatever. It is in your household. Yeah. And, and I make it almost inevitable that you are going to knock this tower over. But I'm not the one who did it. That's a good illustration. And and I think what Thank you for affirming me, by the way. That makes me feel better about myself. I take it back. You shut up! Mm -hmm. We need to commit... If we want somebody to be attracted to us, we have to ask ourselves, well, how attractive are we? Would I marry me? Exactly. Well, I wouldn't, because I'm a dude, but... Yeah, nice. Other than that... Am I attracting people to me. Yeah. And so then we need to ask the question, well, what actually leads to people voluntarily wanting to be around you? A knowledge of who I am, authentic self-representation, all those things that we talk about. level in my own skin. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I know what I want, and I'm not afraid to ask for it. I also am not going to chase people. Hmm. I'm yeah, not, I'm not going to chase you down. I'm going to, and my wife does this better than that because I am the pursuer in our relationship <laughs> at our default levels, and she is the distancer. But wasn't it Friedman? Didn't Friedman say that in any relationship, the one party who is thinking least about the other is generally the more attractive? Yeah, absolutely. And, and <laughs> there's another policy that whoever, yes, whoever is, uh, well. It's the person who needs us the least. Yeah, that we right? find the most attractive. That we find attractive, if they're, especially if they actually want us. And so what am I doing to make myself that complete person? And here's the scary part. It, 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 let me, okay, let's you, not rush past this, though. Okay, okay. Because there's, this is a big principle for people. Um, the, 
we are attracted to people who do not need us. Right. We are more attracted to people who do not need us, but want us. Yes. And that's I think that's a big principle for people to latch on to. It, but it means that you have to be two things at the same time, which are very rarely seen together in public. And what are those two things? Vulnerability and confidence. Oof. At the That's same tough to do. Time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I can project an air of confidence if I'm projecting a false sense of who I am. Absolutely. A, a manufactured facade like I do on Facebook. Right. Yes, exactly. That's what we do. But Or going... I can be vulnerable, but then I am pretty sure you're going to reject me if you know who the real me is. And so I'm kind of sheepishly revealing myself. Yeah. Right? I now, know this is going to repulse you, but right. I secretly like boxed mac and cheese. Well, that does repulse me. <laughs> that is disgusting. We have this, but I, I think I, I don't think I'm alone in this, and particularly people who are in our jobs mm-hmm. struggle with this imposter syndrome. Sure, I got to project this. And uh, in the middle impervious... of one of my speeches, at any given moment, somebody is going to stand up in the back of the room and shout. You don't know what you're talking about, and it's all going to come crashing mm. down around me, and the authorities are going to rush in and take me away, or whatever. You know that, that I will be exposed yeah. for who I truly am, and, and, and so I don't feel like you would accept me if you knew the real me. Well, so I will not be vulnerable. I will tell you my experience with divorcing couples is usually that's what it comes down to: is I don't feel like I can be the real me with you, mm. and it, so I'm going to get out of here. Yeah, because if I told you all about me, then I assume you would reject me. I assume you couldn't handle it. Yeah. If I spoke my mind or if I... And that's not always, that doesn't always arise in a vacuum. No. Because there are some times when we, like our kids do with us sometimes, expose ourselves in small ways. Sure. And to try to gauge a response. We test. Or, hey, you know... Um, I was talking to Joe, and he and his wife have decided to, to you know, try this thing. Yeah, you know? I know. And your wife says, "Oh, that's disgusting." And, and you like, say, mm, "Yeah, yeah, it, it yeah I, yeah, I told him that too. Well, I didn't, not to his face, but you know, I mean, I, I looked at him in a way that communicated <laughs> he, that he knew that I thought that was disgusting. Is that your Woody Allen? Because that looked a lot like Woody Allen right there. <laughs> That was a very Woody Allen moment right there. This is the most vulnerable I have been in a podcast in 12 episodes. Exactly. And you're not affirming it enough, so I'm going to turtle up again. Well, okay. <laughs> you, you do the Jewish neurotic thing very, very well. It's funny. Thank you. Yeah. Jewish neurotic comedian, John oh. Allen Turner. We are constantly struggling with how much do I reveal myself? And what's what's maddening is how it seems like the person I want to reveal myself the most to is the person I'm most scared to reveal myself to. Because they have the the most leverage and to hurt us. They do because we, and we care more about what they think than anybody. Which is why they have most leverage and can hurt us more than anybody else. I I was You always hurt the ones you love. There's your good song lyric. There, yeah, which is which is true. Yeah. Every rose has its thorn. You really just quoted poison. I did. You did. We, you quoted poison. We were doing song lyrics. Okay. <laughs> I, well, that's, that's giving them a lot of credit to say that's a song. <laughs> that's a performance Ooh. piece. I'm not sure that's yeah. a song. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, we are constantly 
hiding parts of ourselves. But then, you know, what happens is we develop this resentment because we're hiding parts of ourselves because we're afraid of it might rock the boat and how you might reject it. But then we develop a resentment against you because I don't really think you would love the real me. So I'm angry at you for rejecting something that you have not rejected because I have not revealed. Well, that's well done. Yeah. That, but that's what we end up doing. That's well done. That's well said. Yeah, exactly what it is. And I'm the one that has to confront myself, say, how much have you... So it's interesting. I got a buddy, um, it, it, this guy I was talking with, right? Sheriff for the, the, sheriff at the yeah, door yeah, yeah, or yeah, whatever. And so talking with him afterwards. And it's always weird talking because I am a therapist, but I'm not yeah. this guy's therapist. And it's You're weird. You're his friend but... and not his... Yeah. And so, you know what, I, I, as a therapist, I'm usually going to ask a lot of questions. As your friend, look, if you really want the truth, here, I'll tell yeah, you my truth. Tell you, In yeah. my experience, here's the deal, is you are needy. Mm. That's what I told him. You yeah. are needy, and you have not learned the very, very difficult lesson that not a lot of people have learned, but you cannot chase someone into your arms. Yeah. And that was a tough thing. But also, at the same time, because he's always in the chasing mode, chasing mode, hoping, hoping for more, hoping for more, and she's just getting repulsed by that, repulsed by that, right? This is, at the same time, he's developing resentment stuff about her, but he dares not ever share her, share with her any of that, that how he actually resents the fact that it doesn't seem like she's ever really left her mom and dad. Now she's always he's always felt like she's more loyal to them from the very beginning. Then and it's like, well, what did you what happened when you told her that? Oh, I could never tell her that. See, some of the best advice I remember from the premarital counseling hmm. I I went through. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Steve Payton told both of us, uh, "Your spouse is not a mind reader." Mm-hmm. They 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 don't know what's going on in your interior monologue right. there, and they won't know unless you express it. Right, and it's foolish to get angry at them for something that you're thinking and expecting them to read your mind. Right. If if you want a table saw for Christmas, tell her you want a table saw for Christmas. Don't get mad when she doesn't know. Right. You should know. Well, you should know this by now. Mm-hmm. That's dumb. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Couples say that you to me. You should like, know how I feel about this Dumbest by now. thing no. I've ever heard. Tell him. Right. Tell Because her. if yeah. I were making assumptions about you all the time, and I made a wrong one, <laughs> then you would be ticked off. Exactly. You know? So you want me to... Or if I make assumptions enough about you and I really do know you and I start to finish your sentences, you, you're going to you like that? You get mad. You're going to like that You get angry at that. No, of course not. Stop interrupting me. Let me finish. Yes. So we want somebody to reveal themselves. We just... It's uncomfortable. The whole thing, everything we're talking about is it, going to the, con, the, the thing we talked about first, the conversation after you drop your kid off at college and you're driving back home. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. And we avoid discomfort like the plague. Which is why I haven't been to the gym in five days. Because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. That's why I haven't been to the dentist in five... <laughs> you and me both. We're both five months. anti-dentites. A rabid anti-dentite. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, I avoid... We all have areas in our lives where we avoid discomfort. The one area I believe that I have welcomed discomfort more than any other is my marriage. Mm. And I think it is a great... Uh, reason why I trumpet out my marriage as you know a one to follow. I wouldn't sure, write a book, yeah, marriage no, book with yeah. my wife if I didn't do that. Is because we are not afraid to be uncomfortable. 
we are terrified to be resentful. Yeah. We're because not, resentment is termites. Uh, termites. It, it's avoiding the discomfort until it gets so much. Until the tree is hollowed out and it threatens to fall on and cave the roof yes, in. Yes, that's what resentment does. And, and it happens because I'm not going to reveal myself to you because that's uncomfortable. I care so much about what you think. I know you have so much power over me because you know so much about me that I'm going to hide parts of myself. But you know what? You are 48 and on your way home from dropping your first kid off. You've got some experience under your belt. And you know what? All right, I'm just tired. Yeah. I'm just tired. I hear that all the time. Just tired of it. Yeah. Yeah. what, What are you tired of? Tired of it hiding takes a lot of energy to hide yourself to and, hide yes. and pretend and put on a facade and all of that. It, it takes energy, right? And you reach a point where you reach. Everybody has a breaking point where you just snap. You do. I'm done. You do. And and that's why. I mean, I know a couple. I know a couple married fifty years and three weeks after they celebrated with this huge party. I'm done. He left. And wow. he said that I'm done. I'm done. I crossed the finish line. I did that. <laughs> Fifty years. I'm done. Get my gold watch. Yeah. Now I'm moving to Florida. I mean, how I'm gonna fish long and golf had that day. guy been biding his time? I mean, that is the men lead lives of quiet desperation, yeah. you know, to a yeah. T, and it just sounds awful. Well, there's a there's a funny story, uh, an old preacher story. Here, mm. and, and I'm going to finish mm. with this. Okay. About this uh, married couple. They've been married for 55 years. Yeah. And, uh, and she was going into hospice care. She mm. wasn't incoherent, but she was on her way there. Right. And um, uh, her husband there at her bedside says, is there anything that I can do, anything that I, can, that I should know about, anything you want to tell me at this point? And she says... Um, uh, yeah, I, I need some, you know, I want, tells him what she wants to be buried in. So now he goes back to the closet in the house and he's looking around for her things and he's rummaging around and he finds this box. Mm. And inside the box are two knitted dolls hmm. and $65,000 cash. This is a true story? No, this is, I don't oh. know. Yes, let's say yes. Let's <laughs> say yes, this is a true story. And, uh, and so he... Says what in the you know what all these questions coming up in his mind. So he rushes back to her bedside. He shows her the box, shows her the dolls, and she kind of laughs. And he says, "Well, what what's so funny?" And she says, "Well, you know, before we got married, my grandmother told me that if I was ever so angry at you, so frustrated with you that I could not express myself, mm-hmm. she taught me how to knit." Mm. And she taught me specifically how to knit these dolls. And he looks at her and thinks, 55 years of marriage, two dolls. And he is overwhelmed with his sense of appreciation Mm. and uh, gratitude for having married this wonderful woman for 55 years. And then he thinks, well, wait a second, that doesn't explain the money. Where did all the money come from? She says, oh, uh, I went down to the farmer's market and I would sell the dolls for $5 a piece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the perfect... Uh, uh, illustration sure. for wh- how we carry these resentments with us for a long time. But hopefully... We learn through the process how to calm our own anxiety. Yeah. 
And in doing so, that grows us up enough where we can get closer to the people who matter most. And thankfully, there's a book that details how you can do this. How you can with the wait. Person. What are the three things again? Calm, Calm down, down, grow, grow up, up, and, and get get closer. Closer. Thanks for listening to You Must Chill, the weekly podcast on all things Scream Free. We'll talk to you more next week.